Hello, everyone, and welcome to Flawless, a music podcast. My name is Liam McGuinness, and I'm here as always with my friends George Mannion and Grant Parkin. And this episode is being produced by Alicia McLaren. Each episode of Flawless, one of us will go to bat for an album that we consider to be flawless and what that means to us and whether or not the other people also agree that it's flawless. Ready to go? Sure. Let's go. All right. Uh, I chose today's album and I'm going to start off with a story. Yes. I love love stories. Oh, you're going to have some kind of emotional story that's going to make me not be able to talk smack about this Mm, album, right? Probably. You don't plan to talk smack about my favorite album, do you? Or one of my favorites. All right. Let's see. In the early 90s, I didn't actually listen to a lot of music. I didn't really pay a lot of attention to it. I mostly just listened to pop radio. Uh, I collected compilation albums. I didn't really know why you'd ever buy an album, album, a single album with all songs from the one band on there, because surely if it was just the one band, all the songs would just sound the same. So that's why compilation albums were so great. in 1997, I started, first started going to uni at QUT here in Brisbane, and they had uh, what was called O-Week, so Orientation Week. And at the end of O-Week, they had a concert. It was a free concert for students, and a friend of mine said, hey, we should go along. And I was like, yep, that sounds cool. We should do that. So it was my first ever concert, and uh, a little bit after they announced the concert, they also announced that the Australian band Spiderbait had just won, become the first band Australian band to win the Hottest 100 Triple J listener poll which was pretty exciting because the band we were going to see was Spiderbait. So uh, we go to the show. It's my first ever show. I don't really know what I'm doing. It was here at the River Stage in the city, which if you've ever been cool. there, it's just like a big stage and then a big hill sort of auditorium down there. Uh, I took my backpack, which I would now never do because I hate backpacks at gigs, but I didn't know what to do with it. So I took it and I sat up on the hill and I watched Spiderbait and they absolutely blew my mind. It was I was amazed at the whole concept of live music and how it was working and seeing the crowd down below sort of moshing and really getting into it. So I don't remember if I went straight out and bought Ivy and the Big Apples the next day, but if I didn't, it was probably within a week or two that I got it. And 1997 was pretty much my formational year for music. That was pretty much the year that I learned what kind of music I liked and what I was going to be doing and how I was going to listen to it. And this Spider Bates Ivy and the Big Apples was basically the, the cornerstone album of that year for me. How old were you? I would have turned 18 that year. 18 and you'd only just been to your yep. first ever concert. Wow. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I would have been 17 when the concert happened, but yeah, I turned 18 that year. I didn't didn't get into underage gigs or yeah, all ages gigs at all when I was young. Weren't bothered, eh? No. Yeah, somehow... just didn't. My friends, the people that I hung out with didn't go to gigs. Yep. We didn't, it was, just wasn't something that we did at all or had any awareness of at all. Sure. Okay. That is entirely different to my life. Yes. Wow. <laughs> it's a lot of, it's entirely different to most people's lives I who I hung out with who listened to a lot of music. It's like, oh yeah, we went to all ages gigs and yeah. and I was just like, I don't care about all ages gigs because I never really needed them when I was growing sure. up. So I was putting on gigs mm. when I was fifteen. Yeah. <laughs> wow, huh? <laughs> wow. So aw. But a now great you're like story. F- you it's a good story. Yeah. Mm. It's Great not story. one of those like heartbreaking stories. That's no, gonna let not, me... not heartbreaking. No. Yeah, it's uplifting. Formative is is uplifting. Yeah, it's yeah. Good. uplifting. I was expecting some kind of like this was the album that made them pull through out of the coma. Yeah, no. you know <laughs> yeah. that kind of story. So yeah, so we'll hit. I'll definitely be bringing some other 1997 albums along okay. to the podcast <laughs> at some stage. But uh, I thought as the sole Australian-born representative here on the podcast, I thought I should get some Australian <laughs> albums going. <laughs> And uh, this is the one I picked today, Spider Bait's Ivy and the Big Apples. Awesome. So, so they played most of this. This is the, the album that they're touring with at the time. Yes, yeah. So I don't remember any. I remember maybe two of the songs, like the two big singles that I knew of at the time from yep. having started listening to some of that radio stuff. But I don't remember what they played or, yeah, in sure. particular. Okay.
So yeah, how did you guys find the album? I liked it, eh? I, I, I must say, I, I, I find um, a little bit um, Smashing Pumpkins in there mm-hmm. for mine. Um, quite a bit in parts, but uh, and, and I actually really liked uh, the instrumentals in there. there quite, quite a couple, two or three, or three or four even, um, where there was no no voice, and I and I thought that was quite a quite a good touch. So I, I really find it was a, it was a good album to, to listen to. My my exposure to them as a band um, until listening to the album was only um, the cover of Ram Jam, yep. Black Betty. Mm-hmm. That was the only one that really made it to South Africa on a compilation album as well. Yep. And I don't mind it um, as, as a cover, but it's, I don't think it's necessarily as good. So I was like, okay, it's, it's, a, it's a modern version of, of Black Betty. But um, yeah, I liked the album actually. Mm-hmm. That was good. This is my first exposure oh, to this t- band. Entirely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was somewhat um, sheltered. In the UK, from Australian music, as largely uh, mm. there was a, the Silverchair and Powderfinger came over, but yep. that was a that was and in kind excess, of, come on, uh, in excess, yeah, yeah, I know, but they weren't in my genre sure. range. But um, so when I first listened to this, I was like constantly because it was completely new to me. Mm-hmm. Like every um, all of the musicians and the record and everything was completely new to me. It was like a bit of a oh this is new and it made me feel uncomfortable because I'm like, usually I'm like, I've got some cultural <laughs> reference <laughs> to some to music. I'm like, ah, oh. oh, yeah, oh. well, this is actually uh, the producer of this is the producer of. Um, so it was the first time, this was my first ever listen. Um, and I might, I will admit, I was making egg and lettuce sandwiches when I first listened to this album. So on a tiny Bluetooth speaker. Cool. But that's my regret because I wanted, I wish the first time mm. I'd listened to it was on a proper stereo system. Yeah. Sure. But I was like, I needed to listen to it. So I popped it on um, and I was like, this is really cool. So I was like listening to it and going, yep, I need to be more informed on the Australian music of the past 20 years, at least, mm. that have formed the Australian music of today because I'm in two bands over yeah. here with Australian people. Mm. And I feel a little bit like I'm not really pulling my weight when it comes to understanding the references, cultural references they had. So um, I was very grateful to have an influential Australian band and listen to an album for the first time, mm-hmm. despite the discomfort. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pride wasn't isn't that that's your own? Just, but yeah, despite the dent in my pride that yes. I already that I didn't already know. It. But I do have like lots of um, when I was listening to it, I was going, "This reminds me of this band, or this reminds okay. me of that band." And sometimes I find myself going, "I feel like that's a rip off of this." And my instinct yeah. was, "It's a rip off of rip off of something." But then I find out that actually this came out before. years yeah. before, and I'm like, oh, "Oh, I feel I feel Maybe. so." <laughs> it's like when people watch Die Hard. And they think it's really cliche, and you're like, no, no. When this it was came the out, first one. this was the first. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> like, I will think. You, I think you'll find. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, well, actually, <laughs> subsequent ones are cliches. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so as a general rule, I actually really, I really enjoyed listening to this record, mm-hmm. and will be listening to more of their uh, back catalogue. Mm-hmm. So, are they still going? Yes, yeah, so I'll just do a bit of a recap. Please. I should have done that before I asked what was going how you yeah, guys come thought. on, Liam. So, I want to know the history. Come on, yeah. we <laughs> want to know some so, stuff. Sure. Ivy and the Big Apples was Spider Bait's third album. It was double double platinum selling record that reached the top 10 albums chart in Australia and also won the 1997 ARIA Award for the best alternative release. They didn't go to the award ceremony, so they had to be collected on their behalf because they kind of assumed they didn't really care about ARIA Awards back then and they just kind of assumed they weren't going to win, so it was just collected wow, on their behalf. Man. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, featured so they the weren't single. even on tour. They just 
elected not to go. Yeah, that's what I, from like the things the that I was reading. No, they didn't have another show that night. They yeah. were just like, yeah, no, we're just not gonna. That's fine. Um, so it featured the single Buy Me a Pony, which reached number one on the Triple J Hottest 100 for 1996. And the second single, Calypso, reached number 13 in the Australian singles chart and was also a bit of a hit for them overseas as well. That was used in a movie. It was used in 10 Things I Hate About You. Correct. That's yes. what I discovered. Mm. But it wasn't on the soundtrack. No, for some reason. Yeah, weird. Which is weird because of those songs, you're, there's always like songs that are on the soundtrack but not in the movie because they just thought of it. Yeah. Well, this one's actually in the movie and then they just didn't and bother they didn't putting put it in the soundtrack. And it's Julia Stiles and she's really cool. It was yeah. a scene mm. with her in it. So I'm going to have to rewatch the movie and then go, ah. Mm. So, that, so technically, I did hear Spider Bait. Yeah. But. You just didn't know it was. I didn't know because it was during that movie. And you liked it. Probably. Who, knows? Who can tell? I liked but it you at the did. time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I will have but done. It did make you hate the movie, no, so yeah. that's got to be a I, plus. I didn't. I, I enjoyed the movie. <laughs> so, yeah. There you go. There you go. So Spider-Bait are Cram, Mark, whose name calls himself Cram when he's in the band, on drums and vocals, Janet on bass and vocals, and then Damien Witty, a.k.a. Wit, on guitar and definitely not vocals. So I've been seeing this band for 20 years, and I've never once... I don't know what he sounds like. I don't know okay. what his voice sounds like. I've never He's never had a mic stand. He's never like said anything. He's just like, he's the guy that just stands there and does awesome stuff with guitar. He is one of Australia's most underrated guitar players for my money. Like When you're talking about top five guitarists in Australia, he mm. should be there. But he, yeah, I don't know if it's, he's not that flashy. He's not like, he doesn't like walking up on top of the stage and doing the big moves and stuff. He just stands where he stands and, and just back and forth and delivers. Yeah. That's awesome. So yeah, yeah, I do love the fact that the uh, male vocalist is the drummer. Yes. I'm a fan of that when that happens. I'd mm -hmm. like you to give Janet her full name, please, because... Her name is Janet English. Oh! oh. <laughs> just English, is she? Is she? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I enjoy she? it. I just wanted you to do so, that. So yeah, so they formed as a band in like 1989. Their first album was called Shashava Glava and didn't come out till 1993. And then their second album was The Unfinished Spanish Galleon of Finlay Lake because they were from Finlay and apparently there was a boat there that was just unfinished for years and years. So they were like, hey, it'd be a cool album name. And then they finished the boat while they were recording the album. Where's but they'd already locked in. Uh, it's like a regional, uh, I think it's in Victoria town. So um, Cram, they all sort of grew up together. They've known each other since like the 1980s. So they've basically okay. known each other for as long as I've been alive. And um, Cram went off to do music school in Melbourne and then came back. And so Witt is his second cousin and they both knew Janet from growing up. Um, and cool. Cram really liked her voice. Didn't She didn't play an instrument. She was an artist, but Cram really liked her voice. So he got her to sing and then taught her how to play the bass and did the did their thing. That's cool. Sure. Okay. So that's sort of a bit of short history of Spider-Bait. That's it awesome. Is. And I definitely recommend... Um, we're going to talk about them playing live, but I definitely recommend that you get out and see them live because Cram, the drummer, he is just this massive ball of energy. And he, mm -hmm. so he's got the mic. They've got obviously all tailored for how they do it. So sure. he'll swing the mic in, sing a bit. And then when he knows he doesn't have anything to do, he'll bash it away and then just, just sort of starts wailing away and stand up and he'll try and get the crowd really into it. And he's smashing it. He's just, yeah, he's just this really awesome ball of energy that, yeah. I'm picturing oh, Animal from the Muppets. Very similar yeah. to that. He's got long hair and some facial hair going on as well. So he and so he's just yeah, he's absolutely smashing it out. Awesome. Cool. So what's your favorite track? Um Am I allowed to ask questions? Yeah, ask yeah, away. Yeah, yeah. Ask away. Um I can't go past by me a pony. It's really cliche to go, yeah, that was their big single and it was their mm. sort of breakthrough and it was the one that got them a lot of traction in the Australian scene. But it's just ninety seconds of just like this pure angry power. That's just like, ah, oh. and when I was sort of coming through and starting to find out about, that was my first sort of exposure, like this is what record labels do, this is how they treat, a lot of them can treat artists, mm. 
that that 90 seconds of like this is how fucking angry I am about record labels and they're just awful people and then over time I actually eased off that as I actually started meeting a few of them and working with bands who actually like their labels rather than sort yeah. of fought against them all the time but yeah just that when that, that first exposure to it like yeah record labels fuck up music and they're controlling and everybody hates them and they're just the worst So I mentioned to you guys when I was telling you which album to listen to that one of the songs had won the Hottest 100. Did you pick that it was Buy Me A Pony when you listened to it or were you not thinking about that at all? I wasn't thinking about it. Sorry. That's all right. Um, Because I probably would have gone like Calypso just because it was so 90s. Mm -hmm. So like when I first listened to that song, it just made me wiggle. Yeah. (laughs) So I was like, oh, I'm having a wiggle. Um, So that would would have been the one I assumed. Mm. Because for me, like just listening to the album, you can't take that away. Like that that big song just stands out mm. so obviously as like for me because I know it's the one that won it and it was their huge song and they've been mm. playing it so long now that they do sort of alternate versions when they do it live. They don't just play it straightforward because they're almost probably getting a little bit sick of having to play it. Yeah. But yeah, so they always sort of fiddle with it a little bit and Cram's done solo acoustic guitar versions and ah. yeah, all sorts. Of, they just do all sorts of fun stuff with it. So how many times have you seen them live? I, I would say at least 20 at least that 20 is times many times between festivals and yes. and, con- and yeah house shows and various things yeah I would have gone to like they they were since 1997 one a year one a year so annual yeah. sort of expedition so do you remember your mari- your wedding anniversary and your spider bait anniversary <laughs> yeah. I remember my spider bait anniversary not always my wedding anniversary <laughs> okay well, well I done. know your wife M- hello Michelle yeah uh, <laughs> That's all right. And she forgets as well. We oh. we forget. That's the thing. That's our thing that we do. Maybe I could remember yours. Yeah. Maybe that could be the thing that we <laughs> do. Yeah. Okay. I'll just send you a present every year, and you go shit. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, no. So like all through that period, the nine like sort of ninety seven, ninety eight, ninety nine, two thousand, they were just they were the festival band. They were on every festival lineup. There were sort of festival lineups at the time that was like if you were on one, you were you couldn't be on the other because they were sort of slightly competing yep. and every year they would be on one or the other mm. and just yeah just absolutely tear the house down every single time so it's been yeah I've seen them a lot of times and every time I see them I think this is probably one of the best Australian live bands going around mm. it's just there it's and now and like the older they get the more sort of I guess a bit that self-awareness a bit and they're just so in control of what's going on and the and the, the crowd and everything so it's mm. been yeah every time it's been fantastic so you got plans to see them again now they're touring at the moment so this year, this album, because this album turned 20 this year, they actually toured this year on playing this album in full. Okay. Which they'd ne- and so that meant they were actually playing some of the songs on here that they'd never played live before. Yeah. So that's uh, Janet's uh, soft little acoustic number, which is written going down off. here. Going off. Going off, yeah. She'd never played that live before. Yeah. Like that because, oh. it was just, because it was just her jamming in the, in the studio, just having a bit of fun mm. and mucking around, and they liked what came out of it, but they, it never really fit into the live show. Sure. Until you go, okay, now we're going to play every song on this album. And they did it.
So awesome. you saw them and where was that? So that was at the Tivoli earlier okay. this year. Yep. So that was sort of, we got a nice spot sort of higher up because Michelle, my wife, is quite short. So yes. she often struggles to see. But we're at, they've got sort of walkway areas around the side. Yeah, and we're yeah. able to get sort of front and center in a walkway area. Sure. So we're able to see That's cool. them do their thing. And yeah, so they they were together for quite a few years and they sort of went on hiatus. So they never actually said we've broken up, but they just didn't do anything for a period of time. And then yep. they and then they came back. So that was after they did the, the Black Betty single and then the album on that off the back of Is that. It, when, when was that sort of 99, 2000-ish, was it? So that was 2004. Really? Yeah. Wow. Was Yeah, that was the Tonight All Right album, which okay. was sort of... So they after this album, they did... Um, they, they'd always had a bit of a feel for sort of pop and electronic stuff. Mm. So they introduced a few more elements of that into their next album. Yes. And then the next album after that was like quite, quite some of the songs were quite hardcore electronic stuff, mm-hmm. which sort of bit too far. And then they had a bit of a couple of years break and then they came back with Black Betty and their next album was really straightforward rock again. Yep. And then after that, they had a break. So, mm. right. so when, when you were talking about um, Buy Me a Pony, yes. I had the first instinct when I first heard it because of the intro was it reminded me so much of the beginning of um, One Way or Another blondie the yep. ding 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 mm. kind of guitar mm, yep. and i just had such a giggle yeah. to myself <laughs> just like that, it reminds me of that yeah. and then obviously it starts it's, it's not it's a really serious yeah it's a yeah, really and then angry it's, series yeah thing. and then yeah. it gets really into a, a turns into a song that is very much not me going yeah. um but uh because by the end of it and this is the notes that i kind of took for myself when i was right like listening away and making sandwiches um i was like by the end that last probably 20 seconds of the song with his vocals and the way the guitars work just sounded like early offspring like some of the Mm -hmm. the guitars and because he had that sound that i'm not even going to try and replicate yeah Uh, it's like back of the throat back of the yeah Yeah. whatever (laughs) um yeah and i was like oh that just like reminded me of smash or something it was just like Mm -hmm. it was really warming and nice but i did really like that track so uh but but i went from thinking oh it reminds me of blondie to oh it reminds me of offspring (laughs) all in one at the very beginning and end what a bookend not a lot of songs that can do both there really aren't but no but the actual song itself i really enjoyed and really Mm. enjoyed listening to because i'm definitely going to be listening to this record more like because i've listened to it obviously a few times so i can make notes and think about it Mm. and stuff and uh for for today but yeah like i did i did enjoy that i enjoyed so can i just say i have um when they first started, I was like, yep, Chest Hair was the number one track. Yep. Um, and then it moved on to a song with Janet singing. And I just went, oh, female vocals. And yeah. I was <laughs> filled with warmth because yep. that doesn't happen enough. So mm-hmm. um, I was very much just like, yep, I'm so on board now. Like yeah. at first when they, f- the first. It's unexpected, isn't it? It After was. After Chest Hair, you're like. Yeah. Just another band of dudes with a dude singing, yeah. and then suddenly it's not. And then it was suddenly it sounded like throwing muses or mm-hmm. someone um, or belly, and obviously yeah. same same. Uh, but like, yeah, it was just um, the first track, so chest hair for me. It reminded me of um, a Angie would know us by the Trail of Dead. Mm-hmm. Out, um, song so yep. no. have you heard them they're an uh, American band I'll be bringing an album into theirs okay. are you bringing in Worlds Apart no Source Tags and Codes oh okay so it reminded me of um, the kind of general feel of Worlds Apart mm-hmm. by that when I first listened to it and I was like hold on a second like this really reminds me of that so I went and googled it and went nah this album came out yeah, 10, that, years that 10 years before yeah, yeah absolutely <laughs> but like I because I always think of 
and you'll know about her that is much older than they are. Mm. I always think of them as really like night, like late eighties, nineties sounding. Yeah, but I wish they are, but mm. in the two thousands. Um, yeah, so I that was one of the moments where I was like, are they just ripping off blah blah yeah. blah? And then went and had a look and went, no, no. I am. Like tap my own, tap my fingers. No, stop, stop trying to desecrate them just because they're Australian. Yeah, no, I I'm really love. Yeah. Like this is for me. This is the ideal album intro. So you start off with something that's really great in chest hair, and then you kick it up a notch for hot water and milk, and then you kick it up a notch again. So you haven't sort of put your big top single first track out, mm-hmm. but you hit your high, the real album highlighters track three with Buy Me a Pony, mm. and then they ease back off. For uh, when Fusion ruled the earth into that instrumental track. It's like, yeah. a, you know, we can do all sorts of so The first three tracks, they're all sort of pretty similar sounding. Mm-hmm. And then the fourth one's like, okay, this is like a six minute instrumental groove sort of session now. It is a police chase scene. Yeah. That's how I've written it down. It okay. Just listen to it, okay. listen to it again, and imagine <laughs> a chase scene, like maybe like a 70s, 80s chase scene yes. with police going in. And at, at the beginning, it's like a da 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 kind of thing and then it eases off a bit by the end because it mm. feels like it should be on a running playlist mm. yeah. going out for a run but then it eases off a bit and it makes you feel like the perp has jumped out the car gone into a building and now they're going to follow them around the building it's your imagination go, I, had, huh? I hadn't heard that yeah I hadn't. all this whilst making sandwiches all this whilst <laughs> in a realm of egg and lettuce yeah so uh, yeah that, yeah that came up for me because i was listening to it and i could visualize so much going mm. this is i uh, maybe i watched too much tv but it was just so much like okay. a chase scene it was brilliant like i really loved it because like, yeah. cool. sometimes instrumentals on albums kind of annoy me because mm-hmm. mm. um, if, if they're out if they don't feel like they join something mm. if they're there sure. for the sake if just to be music yeah but they don't they don't express something that a vocal vocals would express then mm. i'm like why would you do that mm. but with this i was like yeah no I, i'm i'm running I'm yeah chase So this was one of the reasons why I want to talk about why I found this album flawless is that it takes elements. So when you describe a band to someone, it's like, oh yeah, they've got a drummer, singer, a bassist and a guitarist and a bassist, singer and a guitarist. That sounds really boilerplate. Like, yeah, yeah, three piece rock, whatever. But these, this band has always been really experimental. And on their first two albums, probably a little bit too much. Like their albums sound a little bit too much like a jam session where they were just like, yeah, let's just go into the studio and play around a bit and, you know, just write some really short, sharp songs on the fly and see how how it goes. And it's still cool, but this was the first album where it really felt like they got it together a little bit more and then also managed to capture that balance between we're like a powerhouse rock live band, but we're also going to use some studio tricks and some, you know, internal studio stuff to really sort of figure out what our sound is and just try lots of different things and throw them at the wall. We don't want to just have seven or eight of nine songs that all do sound the same. So that's where, where I talked before about why would you get an album where all the songs sure. sound the same? It's like, well, this is a really good antidote to that because you yep. could play this to someone and that you would never ever accuse them of having songs that all sound the same. Mm. So yeah, that's one of the reasons why I really love it. So when you went to go and buy it, did you go and listen like we did in the old days to like HMV and Queen Street Mall and say, can I listen to this please? And they, you push through the tracks or? I was always too it? paranoid to ask for if I could listen to an album beforehand. I always kind of felt like, no, I should just go out there and just buy it. So, okay. and yeah. You're so like, daring. Oh, yeah. Living on the edge, man. 
I, I thought Jeez. I was no, I thought I was the other way. I was a bit lame. Like I just didn't want to. You just didn't want to have for to something. talk like, to a yeah, person. Yeah, yeah. Can I just buy this and don't mm-hmm. don't judge me? Uh, yes. Okay. Yeah. So you're okay. the kind of person that likes self service in a supermarket. Yes, I do self service in the supermarket. So if you I don't can. want to talk to the pe- the people. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I wish I wish there was an option in cabs and Ubers where I could pay them an extra couple of dollars to not talk to me during really? the trip. Really? <laughs> like I'll just tell, wow. I'll just put a button on that says don't talk to me, and at the end of it, if you haven't talked to me, I'll click a link that says yeah, you can have an extra Five bucks, bucks or whatever. Many years ago, I used to pretend that i was deaf because i knew sign language um just so i would stop people from talking to me in takeaways wow. the phone's really good i've found it really great because as soon as i get into one of the things i can just instantly pull up the phone and go here's my thing that i'm doing while they're on this trip you don't have to talk to me no <laughs> think of all of our social hang-ups yeah oh my god and i talk to them all the time i talk to all my Uber drivers because i find out such interesting things yeah. about like civil wars in countries in africa that i didn't even know existed and stuff right. like that yeah it's pretty awesome sure my um, I did I did take a hiatus as a this is a brief, sort of offshoot. It, it was ash, it was the ashes two thousand and six. I'd been here, you know, for just a couple of months, and a, and a, a, an Australian born taxi driver actually picked me up, which is unusual. I, I found subsequently, and this guy proceeded to tell me that um, um, he wasn't interested in the ashes at all because the previous series had been rigged by the British and Australian governments. Right. Um. And um, that makes sense. Well, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, so the, the Aussies had won for too long, and there'd been the bombing in um, July of '05 in in England, and to to pump up the spirits of the nation, there'd been a little shady deal between the governments. Right. As so a British person at the time, I did not feel enthused whatsoever by any win of the Ashes because I didn't know what it was. There we go. Just so you know. Yeah. But there you go. That was a nice segue, though. Mm. So. So, Liam, tell, tell us more. Tell us so more about Sunkey. I Sunk actually have a quote from Cram. So I talked before about how this was a bit of their breakthrough album and how they him? were ubiquitous. No, I was reading all sorts of interviews <gasps> and stuff. So, <laughs> and a quote. It was just going from playing pubs to this huge festival. So he's talking about the big day out in 1996, which is what they would have played like just after January, the February. just after the no, 12 months before, but it sort of happens in that yeah, January, February Australia Day sort yep. of time. And it was basically Australia's big festival for many years. It was it's still going though, isn't it? No, so last three or four years it shut down. So I they, yeah, they had trouble with venues and securing lineups, and they got some people in to work on it that they shouldn't have got involved with, and yeah, just all ended acrimoniously and very sad. Mm, that is so, sad. Jeez, I don't know. Okay. But I quote, and I quote, it was just going from playing pubs to this huge festival, the big day out in 1996, and getting the entire 30,000 capacity crowd with you. You feel a change, and I think that had an effect on the record too, knowing we want to make songs that are bigger, and it's that transition where you feel yourself turning into a bigger band. And I think that's what comes through on the album. And I think more so once if you go back and listen to the early ones, it's like, sure. yeah, this is their this is the one where they really go. I think this would be their defining their defining album for a really long time. Like the one they'd want to share with people as much as possible. Mm. That's awesome. Um, the we re- are recording this at the Edge at State Library Queensland, and members of staff here. I was talking to them in advance, letting them know what we were doing, and uh, some of the engineers, mm. and they were like, "Oh, that's an interesting one to talk about." about this particular record so yeah. they were very impressed mm. so yeah <laughs> cool. so they're they are still around and i think a lot of australian bands right now would consider them to be like um forefathers grandfathers sort of and very influential yep. on on mm-hmm. if not necessarily the sound definitely sort of that energy and that aggression of that live show which is sec- definitely you are selling known. the live show well by the, the way. live show I'm, absolutely I'm like, you guys go. yeah i'll definitely be letting you know next time they tour and you guys should definitely come along because yeah. we'll yeah it's, i feel like it's, if we don't go 
He won't come back. Yeah. It'd be sad. It'd be so sad. I will buy you tickets. That's how far yeah. I would I would oh, go wow. to get to get go. you guys there. Done. She's done. Yeah, well, but in. yeah, they were absolutely like a huge festival band, so they could trim their set down to just be like the power rock ones. Back in my younger days, when I got into the mosh pit, they were perfect for the mosh pit, especially mm-hmm. Calypso, mm-hmm. because of course Calypso has like the really soft start, and then double drum hit, and then pa- into the power rock. And of yeah. course, the good thing about those. Uh, mosh pits is that that moment of anticipation like here's here's the moment in the song where i get to stand still and i get to have a bit of a breath and everyone sort of stands up at the same moment and double hit bang yes and we're off to the races Because that song has like three of those moments. Off to the races. It was just really, yeah, it was such an amazing live song. And it was just, yeah, the whole crowd would just go off every single time. So, would yeah. you marry them if you were given the yeah. chance to marry them? Uh, I'm already married. That's like, not going to no, like work. That's friends. the slippery you know, like slope friends. that all the people have been saying. Is like, oh. You could have, like, if there were famous people and they were willing. Your celebrity, ex- your celebrity exceptionalist. Yeah, would, it sounds like they'd be right up there on yours. No, not quite. <laughs> no. Okay. It was just. It was worth a worth it's a good to question. Ask, good yeah. to ask. Good to just to check where. Get the clarity. That's cool. Did you guys have any other favorite songs off the album that you wanted to talk about? Um, hold on, I did. There was a point where it was. Uh, it sounded a bit like my bloody Valentine. Uh, Joyce's hut. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yep. Okay, so that was the one that I had samples and drums mm-hmm. in the intro. Yep. Um, and then when the vocals came in, it was completely contrasting. Uh, yeah. And then suddenly it became like a poppy version of My Buddy Valentine. Yep. So um, it was, for me, that was a song that stood out as one that I really, having never heard any of these songs mm. before, mm. it was one that stood out for me as something that I really enjoyed, but I wasn't sure how it fit with the record. That was actually the fourth single they released off the album. They really? Put, they put a video out and put it out as a single release as well. Like I, I, I will never understand it as well. Like I, like I get in their experimental stuff, like how that all fits together. But yeah, so they did "Buy Me a Pony" and "Calypso" and "Hot Water" and "Milk," and then this was the fourth single that they they put a, a video together of all this like vintage footage from their town huh. of Finley and yeah. just yeah, put out. It was I always find really weird. Well, yeah, because up until so up until going off. Like, including going off, mm. the album made so much sense to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then Don't Kill Nipper came in. Yeah. And I, don't get me wrong, I'm a hardcore kid. Like, I've listened to hardcore bands for mm. many, many years and stuff. But I was really confused. Yeah. So when that came on, I was like, okay, well, I really love hardcore heavy guitars and I really love the drums. Uh, I really loved it instrumentally. Um, the vocals seemed to be mastered differently in this uh, in that song. So the vocals were lower than um, the guitars mm. in that song, and suddenly it felt like this nineties ho- like post punk hardcore band. And I was really confused. It had none of that um, little. I don't know. There's there's a special little treat that comes with all of the songs before it. Mm. So yes. the songs before it had, you know, I've got like I was dancing in my bedroom, or I'm like. This one was too short because I loved it too much yeah. and stuff like that. But then that came on. I was like, I like this song, but why are you here? Mm. So, yeah. and then at that point, I was listening to the, the record and just going, I feel like this record should be three EPs. Yeah. 
okay. by the same band where yeah. I feel like so in the complete opposite way to how you are Liam where you're like I love the fact that there was just they sound so different in so many songs I was like this is too different yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like because it sounded like a compilation yeah. of songs and I was like no this didn't f- like didn't I was fit. I was really annoyed going for you. all of these songs are I really enjoy like every song independently um I liked and like I really enjoy listening to you but I was like no you don't belong there <laughs> and I got very annoyed so yeah up until that point um I was like yep yeah, I'm power this is awesome I'm going going full throttle with yeah. this album but then that hardcore song came on and I was like oh and I was confused a bit yeah mm. explain I I think that they just <laughs> Please explain. <laughs> when they're writing the song. So they wrote like 30 songs for this album and then trimmed out all the ones they didn't want. So I think... I, so it ended up 16. being about 16. Yeah. Well, so 17 technically because 16... Driving Up The Ceiling is two songs, isn't it? It's actually three. There's, three. Two, there's two bonus... There's two, two hidden tracks on the end tracks. of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, so they had 30 mm. songs. And I think it's just a case of when they're writing stuff and what comes into their head, mm. they don't restrict what based on a style. They won't... They're like... They, they know that it has a throughput it has a through line of their style because they wrote it so they don't have to worry about whether or not the genre fits as a flow thing which obviously doesn't always work and this is my thing yeah. is like a lot of these songs sound really different from one another and sometimes when bands do that I'm like that's really off-putting for me but for some reason for these guys it really works for me I think it's more that it went from going off mm. that cute acoustic number yeah. which was you know twee and sugary and lovely and then it just went but now yeah. we're asserting ourselves yeah. as big strong men or whatever and it, yeah. and it just sounded a little odd mm. from from my side yeah so i really yeah so i really like the that opening three the big, big obvious thing is i love the instrumental experimental numbers i love yes. horshack army which i always think is almost like chemical yeah. like almost like chemical brothers i oh, said yeah. i said it starts style. like nine inch nails ends like prodigy yeah So yeah, definitely so that English like dancey sort of stuff. Totally. Yeah. yeah, I'm totally with you. And then, yeah, so that sort of that wandering, that drifting aimlessness of Fusion Rule the Earth, the short, sharp bursts. That's the other thing too, is like when even when the songs are a different style that's like, like a bit disruptive, they're also usually only 90 seconds long. So it's like, well, if I'm not enjoying this, it's, gonna, it's okay. It's, gonna it's be still a very long album though. It is because mm. it's 60, 16 songs and a couple of long like ones on the end there. 52 minutes yeah. and 52 seconds, which yeah. I did enjoy. Yeah. <laughs> I did like the matching numbers. Here we go. Just, yeah. Just okay. for those number nerds yes. out there. He comes amongst us. Uh, right. Did you have any other songs that you liked? I've got uh, Horse, Horse Shack Army. Yeah. was one I enjoyed as well. Joyce's Hut. Um, and and certainly, I, I suppose, I've, well, I've got to find fault if I could. If I could. Okay, do it. Now, if, if there's a forum to do, if there's a time to do it, driving up the ceiling was where, where it lost me. You didn't like the To be end. honest. Yeah, I thought up until then, I didn't mind going into Nipper. Mm-hmm. I thought, you know, dynamic, and it was it was like, you know, where is this going to go? And you know, mellow into into hard, but but the I, I felt there was a bit of rambling on the on the git. Mm. So it's a bit um, of a slow burn. Yeah, and I just thought they've done so well up to there. You had me, and then if it, if they probably cut it at Hawaiian Nights, which yeah. I thought was okay, I, I might have been across the line. But um, that was yeah, uh, certainly up front it was really really good. Mm-hmm. So. Like yeah, I said I, that I was expecting a big bang because yeah. they started yeah. yeah 
they started and uh, with a big bang and then in like intermittently go bang yes. um, throughout the record and then I would, and intriguing yeah, I stuff I was, in between so you're yeah. like hey you know and then that the lady the the girl sing and that's and you, you sort of and then it just sort of meandered or mm-hmm. it with the with the with strong of the ceiling. But right. I do have to say that there is a song that I loved very very much, which was Conjunctivitis. <laughs> Last of it yeah. sounded like if there was a movie made of the Powerpuff Girls yeah. and there was a fight scene, <laughs> yeah, that would be it. And okay. Janet loves her sort of powery, sugary pop stuff, and that comes out more in the next couple of albums of theirs as well. And then she also had a side project called Happy Land. Oh, okay. So if you get a chance to listen to the Happy Land record, it was done with a guy named Kwan, who's the lead singer of Regurgitator. So sort of yeah. Australian bands coming together and doing stuff. Sweet. And yeah, it's super sugary pop, and he loves super sugary pop stuff as well. Because so. I like, I love her vocals over heavy guitar. Yeah. Um, they they make the heavy guitar interesting because mm-hmm. sometimes heavy guitar is just like yeah, sure. Yeah. It's heavy guitar, whatever. But like her vocals cut through in a really nice way you know how like they would in the pixies it mm. would be a reference point yeah in the pixies you um you get him yes. kim singing over like some like really heavy guitar bit but mm. because of her singing it really like made it all work and didn't as you say sound like some dudes just make playing fresh some music yeah. Yeah, yeah fresh now and that's she doesn't have like the huge vocal range like she's not some classical singer classically trained singer or you know trying to go to all these different mm. places but she picks her line and the band gets the line that they need to go with her and it yeah. just it works, it works really well for the, for so, sure. for the song. Absolutely works. Yeah. So we'll wrap that up in just a second, but I also want to take this opportunity to introduce you to a bit of an Australian thing from that period, which is bands that have names that are two words jammed together. Ah, yes. However, and this is what I didn't realise, is that it's almost never actually the band's going, hey, we really like those two words, so we're going to jam them together. So Spiderbait is not, is, they used to be called Spider Baby and then found out there was an American band called Spider Baby. So when they started doing stuff, they had to change their name. There's Powderfinger, which is mm-hmm. not named, like it's named after the Neil Young song. Uh, Grinspoon, Super Jesus, Silverchair. There's all these Australian bands that came through in the middle 90s from jamming two, like look like they jammed two words together, but they're almost never named after Isn't it portmanteau? Is that the word? Is it portmanteau? Yep. When you put two words together like that? Or is Probably. it when you put one word in the middle of the other, like absolutely lovely? No idea. Oh, yeah. No. Something to look up. Something to look up and we'll update it. The follow-up to that is another Australian thing that happened at the same time is that bands started shortening their name by calling themselves the and then the second word. So Spider Bait were the bait. So if you ever thought, oh, who'd you love? Who'd you see at the festival? Oh, I fucking love the bait. Fuck yeah. I saw the finger. The chair fucking killed it. So there was this weird thing where all these bands that had two words suddenly became the and the second word. Australia, stop messing with language. (laughs) Mm. You're doing it wrong. It's so very 90s Australian festival. Yeah, so you just... (laughs) Whereas the opposite's happened with some English stuff where we've shortened the words in England and you haven't got it over here yet. So I've got Australian team members who are going to me, what is he talking about when we listen to the Arctic Monkeys or um, something like that? And Mm. I'm like, oh, lecky. So do you guys know what lecky means? No. No. So he said, so you don't don't know what a lecky meter is? 
It's the electricity meter. Right. So back in England, that's, that's something you guys haven't shortened. What yes. is wrong with you, <laughs> Australia? You've, you lengthen or you shorten so many things. Why have you not shortened electricity? That's very long. Shorten it, it to lecky now. We just call it power. Yeah, it's just power, power bill. Power. I had a it's landlord a once. Power bill. A landlord that couldn't speak English very well who said he used to call it gas and lights when he wanted to make, make sure our bills were paid. He's like, have you pay gas and lights? Yeah. I was like, sure. Sure, <laughs> why not? <laughs> yes. All right. Cool. So I guess the only thing left to ask, and I think I've got the answer from the way both of you have spoken, is do you find this album flawless? Grant. I, it came close. Yeah? Yep. It came very close, but up until um, Drive Up the Ceiling, you had me. And um, unfortunately, how, how, it, how it all flowed and you know, it kept me listening and, and certainly you know, I wanted more. And then it just kind of meandered. Mm-hmm. Sort of was just a, just tail off at the end, so I have to say that not 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 in this not today. Yeah, not today, son. George, I found ninety five percent of this album to be independently flawless. Yeah, but then as an album altogether, I would wouldn't say it's flawless. Mm-hmm. I think it needed some it needed a producer to step in and go, I get it, you've got you've got your style, blah blah blah. But maybe if they just moved some of the tracks around in the way that it is. It might have flowed a little bit better. I'm not sure, yep. but it didn't. Like I loved listening to all the songs, but I was I confronted by some of the changes between songs. Yeah. Okay. So for me, it pains me to say it, mm. but it's not a flawless album, mm-hmm. though independently the tracks themselves are pretty awesome. Yeah. So I'll, I think I think knowing them and their history, that is probably by design. I think they they would have if they wanted yeah. it to flow, they would have been able to. Yeah, we can put these bits together and oh, make a bit flow. But they're sure. just like, nah, fuck it, we're just gonna. No, they, they would have been young. Delivery. They were like, you know, yeah. nine, you know, twenty, twenty-one year olds coming out doing their thing. So they sort of, yeah, probably fuck the man. You know, we'll do. We're not going to do what everyone else does. But yes, oh. no, that's completely fair. Well, in that case, that's fine. Like yeah. they should do what they want. That's awesome. And I like bands that act like dicks because they can. Yeah. Like that's that's cool. <laughs> and I'll certainly. I want to. I want to listen more to Spider Bait as mm-hmm. a result of this one and to this album more. So yeah, I think um, if, if it's not, uh, it might not be flawless, but it certainly whet my appetite. Cool. Oh, very nice. Yep, yeah, slip that H in there. Yeah, look, you like that. Yeah. Um, all right, so we got yeah. one thumbs up and two thumbs down. So that's there, and I'm not really hurt by that at all. That's cool. You're going to uh, stop crying, Liam. <laughs> yes. Stop crying. We still want to go to the concert, okay? Yeah, yeah. yeah no, I, I actually really enjoy <laughs> You may it. actually change but your minds like, after you see that. Like, there's just something about that live experience with them that just can't be beat. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'll go in very open minded. And it's always going to be different when you grow when you have mm. a formative album. Yeah. Oh yes, of course. Versus listening to it for the first time in your thirties, yeah. you're always going to listen to it in a different way than you are when you're like a teenager and you've seen a band live for the first time. So at your first concert, basically. First ever first concert, concert. Um, yeah, yeah, big boy. Yeah. <laughs> With a backpack and all. Yes, <laughs> yeah. backpack and all. Everyone else hated you, just so you know. Well, no, I was up the hill, so you could oh, sit on the hill okay. and didn't really like. I wasn't. So you in didn't the have pit. to mingle, you know. Didn't. Yeah, that's the right. Man, yeah. doesn't talk. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome, but I really appreciate you bringing this album. Yeah. So uh, actually making me listen to it. That's cool. cool. My pleasure. Mm. So we want to thank everyone for listening. Our producer is Alicia McLaren, so shout out to her. Uh, Flawless is recorded at the Edge Studios at State Library of Queensland, which is a fantastic free space. So uh, sign up to them and come on to any events that you can. Uh, we have a Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash flawlessamp, a music podcast, and a Twitter account, which is also fa- twitter.com slash flawlessamp. Uh, Other than that, thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.